0: Hi, and welcome to Communicating Climate Change, a podcast dedicated to helping you do exactly that. I'm Dickon, and I'll be your host as we dig deep into the best practices and the worst offences, always looking for ways to help you and me improve our abilities to engage, empower, and ultimately activate audiences on climate-related issues. Over past episodes, we've heard from communications practitioners, academics, activists, and many more all sharing their respective insights into how we might better communicate climate change. Despite the range of perspectives, though, these guests all had one thing in common. They're all adults. This time, I wanted to explore a very different worldview, that of a child, to see if there might be valuable lessons that we could learn and incorporate into our own approaches to communicating climate change. And I have to say, by the end of this episode, I think you'll agree that there are plenty. This episode features a conversation with 11-year-old climate podcaster Zachary fox Devol. It was recorded in April 2023. Zach is the host of We the Children, a podcast discussing climate change and solutions to global warming from a kid's perspective. Each episode, just like me, Zach interviews an expert guest, channeling their stories and their knowledge to his audience, and even wrapping things up with a take-home action step at the end. That's a recipe that I can stand by. Amongst other things, Zach and I talked about climate anxiety and feelings of helplessness in younger generations and the wider public, the gaps that he perceives in climate communication as it stands today, how he stays up to date on climate news and who his climate heroes are and why. I also got the chance to ask one of Zach's mums, Carol, a few questions about the impact that raising such an engaged child has had on their family life, as well as any advice she might have for parents in a similar position. So let's get on with it. This is Communicating Climate Change with Zach fox Nice to meet you, Zach. Nice to meet you. From your perspective, how can communication help us avoid the worst effects of climate change?
1: Well, young people recognize that climate change is going to shape their futures, where they live, where they work, uh, the quality of life even. But they need climate education to understand and develop green skills and adapt to the harsh reality of a warming world uh, and just understand how to combat climate change. They also need to learn the basics of climate change before they can do anything about it. We all need to talk about this. It isn't going to go away, and we can come together and work towards solutions, listening, talking, and working together.
0: I often talk to climate scientists and people who use their many, many, many years of learning and expertise to talk about these subjects, and sometimes it can feel a bit big and a bit hard to understand, I guess. So I was very interested to ask you if you can briefly explain climate change to me. I'd kind of like to hear how you talk about it maybe to a friend.
1: So climate is the regular weather, the temperature and humidity in a given area. Climate change is when these things change rapidly. Climate change is generally at this point in time being caused by uh, human activity and it wrecks havoc on ecosystems, economies, and pretty much all living things around the globe. I tried to explain that climate change doesn't just mean the world gets warmer. On average, when you look at all the temperatures, the average is increasing. Uh, But it's also important to understand that though the average temperature increases, doesn't mean that cold snaps and terrible weathers don't happen. Many people who don't understand climate change point to those things to try to refute climate change, say, oh, it's still getting cold. But the fact is that a warming planet will result in more polar vortexes and other extreme weather events such as atmospheric rivers like what happened here in California after many years of drought for us. So those things still happen.
0: You have experiences locally that you and your friends can kind of point to, right? Like you said, the atmospheric river, you can kind of discuss those things. So do you think people have a grasp of what's going on?
1: I think a lot of people know what's going on, but they think it's just too big. They can't make a difference, and they can. We need more people to understand that individuals can make a difference. If enough people do it, if enough people make a difference, then it will add up to a big change.
0: What brought you to be so engaged in this subject in the first place?
1: Well, it was an accumulation of experiences. First of all, learning about change makers in schools such as Greta Thunberg and Jane Goodall. And then going to climate activist marches with my parents and spending a lot of time in nature on our vacations, uh, visiting Big Sur, Yosemite, uh, Glacier National Park. I've always loved spending time in nature, exploring national parks, forests, hilltops. Everything is amazing. And when I started to learn about climate change, I wanted to help any way I could.
0: What's the vibe at school? What's the feeling about climate change?
1: I don't think a lot of people really talk about it. I don't think it's really on the top of a lot of people's minds. It gets mentioned every once in a while, but not like a, oh no, it's so scary kind of point of view. I don't think everyone's freaked out about the future, but I don't think people are really like that involved in climate advocacy.
0: And just to satisfy my curiosity, climate denial?
1: I'm positive that no one in my school thinks that climate change doesn't exist. I I don't think that's really, no.
0: What do kids at school think about your podcast and maybe about your engagement in, in climate change more generally?
1: I'm not sure how many actually listen all the time, but that's fine. I started a Roots & Truths group at my school and we published an eco-tip in the school weekly newsletter that goes out to all the families. Just like in my podcast, I have an action step of the week. I just publish a short little paragraph about what people can do in their daily lives to decrease their plastic waste, or one of them recently was about how to keep your soil healthy. just little things like that. I think it's cool because incorporating these small steps in our lives, if enough of us do it, will make a big change, like I said.
0: Where do you get your information or stay up to date on climate news?
1: Well, we talk about climate change in schools, and I do see it in uh, news headlines. and I got a magazine called The Week Junior. I read about it in books too. Like I said, I started an eco-tip, and I do research for that. And for my podcast, a lot of the information I use in my podcast is actually from prior interviews. A lot of the things for my eco-tips are from prior interviews. I also listen to other podcasts, read books. I like to watch documentaries about the environment. Learning about the environment and from other people's perspectives, too, is an important step to increasing awareness and enthusiasm. That said, we do need more kid-friendly and family-friendly documentaries or TV shows about climate, ones that will encourage conversations about solutions rather than just making you feel scared, like a lot of them do.
0: Can you think of any in your head that you were like, wow, that was too much?
1: I think the ones about the oceans and sea turtles, all that stuff, it's important to learn. It's just sad. Like the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. What is it? Like twice the size of Texas. That's just not fun to learn about. But we can't do anything about it if we don't know about it, so
0: I guess you mentioned already two. People who kind of spurred you to get interested in climate change, but do you have any other climate heroes? Would you consider either of them climate heroes?
1: Uh, yeah, Greta Thunberg and Dr. Jane Goodall are definitely two of my climate heroes. Since I've been doing this podcast, uh, and everyone I've interviewed are now my climate heroes too.
0: What's the most inspiring or uplifting thing you've learned through talking with your expert guests?
1: I'm lucky that I've learned so many things from each guest. Uh, a few things I can come up with off the top of my head. Uh, so Dr. Sylvester, who I interviewed recently, Dr. Heidi Sylvester, said that about 70% of all the fresh water on Earth is being held into uh, snow and ice in glaciers. That's why it's so important to make sure we have glaciers. And my interview with Heather White, she said that uh, in September 2021, there was a global survey of about 10,000 young people ages 16 through 25. And nearly half, about 47%, said that climate anxiety interfered with their daily life. That number needs to go down, definitely.
0: So I guess that was inspiring because you've got to do something about it, right? And here you are doing that. I feel like we we, we, uh, we follow very similar paths here in the way that we work with this. We talk to an expert, we synthesize their knowledge, and then we share it in our, in our networks. Well, guess what? This time you're my guest and you're inspiring me. What do you think adults could learn from younger generations when it comes to talking about and acting on climate change?
1: Well, I can talk about my own experience. I used to have a podcast about my dog. It was silly and taught humans how to raise a dog. But back this summer, I wanted to do something more serious, do a podcast on something more serious. So I told my parents I wanted to do a podcast on climate change and what was happening because I thought that not enough people were talking about it and I wanted to do something about it. My parents were totally on board and happy to help. I think that because of my podcast and what my family and I are learning, including my aunts, uncles, and grandparents, we are all more aware of what we need to do to help the environment. So I think adults could learn that just doing research even just to learn easy things, easy little action steps that they can do in their life to make a difference. Because I do generally base my action steps on things for busy families or even just busy individuals who don't have a lot of time to do things. I try to make these little things that you can do quickly to ease your climate anxiety and it does make a difference.
0: As communicators, what's the most important thing we should be paying attention to in our work?
1: I think be patient with everyone. It's easy to become overwhelmed and keep the message simple and try to harness optimism in any topic, really. And focusing on tangible things that busy people can do, uh, empowering kids to talk to their parents about their feelings toward climate change. Generations that can communicate with one another and talk through ideas and solutions. That is really what we need.
0: What advice would you give other kids to engage their parents?
1: Well, I think that it's important for people to know that we don't need everyone to do everything perfectly. We just need a majority of people to do what they can. I think kids can tell their parents that even if they don't particularly have climate anxiety themselves... They can say that a lot of people do and we need to do something to help them and to help the planet. I think it is important for people to understand that other people are worried about the climate.
0: What's the biggest mistake you see other communicators make when trying to engage people on climate change?
1: There's a difference between like trying to teach people about climate change and trying to engage them in climate change. I think we need to pay attention and have more conversations about climate change for sure. But we also need to explain how simple and easy it can be to make a difference. There are plenty of things that you can do. Some of them are way easier, some of them are a little bit harder, but make a huge difference. Like, there's this thing I heard about whenever you find a bee, you take out your phone, take a picture of it, and There, you've just registered a bee into the local bee catalogue. There are things like that, easy things that you can do that don't interfere with your daily life, but if you get the chance, then you can make a difference. A small difference, but a difference.
0: Next, it was over to Zach's mum, Carol, for a few questions about parenting a budding climate communicator, the ripple effects of his work on their family and friends, and how others might support their own anxious offspring. How has parenting a child so engaged in climate change affected you?
2: I think that it's made uh, both Katie and I more aware of things that we're doing. Uh, We've always been interested in uh, climate and making a positive impact, but I think it's really ramped it up for us personally. um, It's been inspiring to see Zach uh, so engaged. and we've all learned an incredible amount from the different people that he's been able to talk to uh, in the podcast. And I think the other thing that it's made us aware of is, you know, just the need to talk about these things with friends of ours as well because the children are going to carry the the biggest impact from all of this. And there is climate anxiety. Amongst the youth, as Heather White shared in the interview that Zach did with her. And I do think sometimes kids don't talk about it as much. And so we try to make sure that we're very engaged with Zach and talking about whatever his anxieties are. Um, There's a lot being a youth today, um, but certainly climate change is one of those things.
0: What's the most challenging thing that Zach has thrown at you as a result of his climate change journey?
2: Yeah, I, I, that's a great question. And, um, you know, I don't think that the most challenging thing has been something about the climate and activism and solutions themselves. It's been more when he's gotten a bit down about the fact that it doesn't seem like that many people care. And, you know, we've even talked with peers of ours, you know, other parents and friends of ours. And I recall one friend just saying, it's so overwhelming. So, she kind of turns the other way and we just need to tell people we can't continue to turn the other way. And so I think the thing that's been the most challenging for us is just seeing that, seeing the disconnect between the kids who are active and doing something and want the adults to do more and the adults who are overwhelmed. And it's understandable. You know, people are working jobs, making ends meet, taking their kids to school. There's a lot going on. But I think that there are things that we can do in how we vote, the, the folks that we put in charge you know, of these policies, um, things that we can do in terms of making sure we have our voices heard with policymakers. Um, and then there are those little action steps that Zach is talking about that cumulatively will make a difference.
0: What advice would you give to parents out there similarly navigating their children's desires to act on climate change?
2: Well, I think um, it, it's really about listening And hearing what the anxieties are that your child might have, I think it's also participating in making some of the changes that we can make as individuals, but it can't all be on the individual. It does have to be systemic change and policy change, but there are things that we can do as families and as individuals to make a difference. So I think it's listening and then talking about what are the things that we can change. Um, we have participated in climate marches, and you know, that is very rewarding. Like we said earlier, there needs to be a, a, an every, everything on deck, right? Individual action, writing for policy change, taking part in climate marches, all of those things together are what's going to make a difference.
0: I think this is interesting because maybe you have a different perspective on, on Zach's answer. From your point of view, why did Zach get so interested in this topic?
2: Well, I do think um, a lot of the time that we spend on vacation, we try to get out into nature. Not always, but um, that is what we try to do living in a large city like Los Angeles. uh, First of all, we are very lucky in that in Los Angeles, we have the local mountains. You can drive 10, 15 minutes from our house and be on hiking paths where you don't feel like you're in the middle of one of the largest cities in the United States. But we also actively go out, and and I think Zach already mentioned, vacation in places like Big Sur, the Redwoods. We've always done that as a family, so nature has always been very important to us. And then even before he did the podcast, we did participate in climate action marches, Um, So it wasn't something that just spurred up out of nowhere. But what I do think has happened is with his interest in it and taking it to the next level with the podcast, it's gotten us as a family even more engaged, which has been a a really positive change for us.
0: So cool. You sound like great moms.
2: Did you hear that, Zach? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Make note, it's been recorded.
0: (laughs) What unique capacity or opportunity does a child have to make an impact that an adult maybe doesn't?
2: I think there's less cynicism, frankly, with somebody who's young. They're looking at their future and they're worried. And um, so I think that there's the innocence and the fact of a, a perspective of, I'm going to be here for the next 60, 70, 80 years and you're not. <laughs> so I really do need you to help me as a child to first of all take action now and and help me understand, you know, what we all can do together to make a difference. So I think it's just the the lack of cynicism, you know, the lack of you know having been exposed to all different sorts of spins in the media. Kids are just looking at what's going on without all of that noise. And so I think um, adults respond more to listening to a child's issues than they do another adult who they might think, well, you're just cynical or you just have this spin from XYZ news channel that you listen to, Um, whereas children are just seeing what's going on. And so I think that that's a unique perspective and, and something that we all really need to listen to.
0: I really enjoyed chatting to Zach and Carol for this episode. I was struck by how many communications best practices Zach is ticking off the list with his various initiatives, whether he's aware of it or not. Zach's out there seeking new knowledge, then incorporating it into his own life and leading by example, as well as sharing the biggest takeaways with his audience through the various channels where they're active. He's focusing on the stuff that's easy to implement, keeping things simple, and working to inspire others. I think that's an admirable effort. But what stuck with you from this conversation? What can you take from it and apply to your own work? For me, there were a couple of things. The first one is that kids need heroes. And we could all be those heroes. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably have some connection to the subject matter. Giving up your time, your expertise, your enthusiasm for all things climate to young people, schools, youth clubs, whatever, could be the thing that sets them on a path of positivity and action rather than anxiety and overwhelm. Zach's teacher helped him write and produce his podcasts. How cool is that? What a hero! What could each of us be doing in this regard? My second takeaway was that, although hearing about the realities of climate anxiety amongst school kids was pretty rough, I heard so many avenues for alleviating it in what Zach was saying and doing. He's staying curious, he's seeking out new knowledge, he's taking action both as an individual and as an influencer amongst the social circles and networks that he has access to. On top of all of that, he's got a supportive community around him, both in terms of family and in the connections that he's making around this issue. These are exactly the kinds of things that the literature says can build our resilience to ward off doomism and a sense of powerlessness. I guess I can really relate to this setup too. And in the next episode, we'll talk about community and the power it can play in creating a sense of hope and optimism. So stay tuned for that one. But how about you? What did you hear? What will you be taking with you into your own communications endeavours? Thanks to Zach Fox Duvall and his mum, Carol, for sharing their time and insights with the show. It was wonderful. You can find links to Zach's website and some relevant resources in the show notes. Thanks also to you for listening to Communicating Climate Change. You can find more episodes wherever you get your podcasts or by subscribing so you never miss out. You can find Communicating Climate Change on LinkedIn, too. And if you think the series would be of interest to friends or colleagues, why not point them in the right direction? Remember, each and every episode attempts to add to our toolkits to help us develop the skills and resilience that we'll need for this pressing task. So be sure to stay tuned for more. For anything else, just head over to communicatingclimatechange.com. Until next time, take care.